Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And in 2024, this is super exciting news for me. This show was presented by ASICS every single episode of 2024. Thank you so much, ASICS. I have about 12 pairs of ASICS shoes upstairs, and I will say 11 of them I purchased. I love these shoes so very much. Yesterday, I ran in the Nova Blast 4. These came out last month. They are fantastic. I've had every version of the Nova Blast. Going right back to the first one, which I loved, the Nova Blast 4 provides Max Cush with an unbelievably fantastic upper. I think it's the best upper on any shoe I've ever tried. Max cushioning, but also a little bit of pop in there for if you want to run those faster, easy runs or some of those threshold runs as well. I can't recommend it highly enough. Go to ASICS.com today to check out that and so many of their other offerings. Today is a very special episode. I have returning guest Matt Fitzgerald, one of the top authors in the running space, along with Ryan Whited, because they have just put out a brand new and exciting and potentially revolutionary book for a lot of runners and coaches. It's called pain and performance the revolutionary new way to use training as treatment for pain and injury this episode in this topic was new to me and i could not wait to talk to matt and ryan about it it's just fantastic stuff before we get into it i want to give a shout out to john levitt my good friend the host of for the long run podcast they are sponsoring the episodes here in january you're going to hear the ad later but he had episode 300 today with his coach and good friend david roche you might know david with him and his wife uh, megan do the swap podcast they're fantastic people you got to go check out john's episode today number 300 what a, what a what a huge huge benchmark for him to get to i'm so happy for this guy good friend of mine go check out that podcast today but you're already on this podcast. So how about we take a listen to both Ryan and Matt? All right, Ryan Whited and Matt Fitzgerald, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks so for much having for having us. us. I can't, this has been, first of all, thank you for your flexibility. I know it's, it's a crazy time of year, crazy stuff going on here at the Chittim House, that is for sure. COVID crazy Christmas here yep. in Barrington, Same here. in uh, Coventry, Rhode Island. Um, but we've gotten through it, seems like. And here we are. I'm so excited to chat. Matt, we've known you for a long time. You've been on the podcast before. Um, one of, if not the preeminent authors in exercise science, or at least in the running space in, uh, in that regard. So thank you so much for all of the work you have done. Some of my favorite books of all time. Ryan, you're new to the show, but I am so excited to chat with you. You and Matt have collaborated on a book that is absolutely phenomenal. Pain and Performance, a revolutionary new way to use training as treatment for pain and injury. Now, we do book podcast again i don't want you to restate the book this is why you wrote the book you don't need to do the whole chapter and verse thing people should go and buy it it's out now the audiobook's available in april which is also exciting i pre-ordered it about an hour ago which is fun it's funny because i've already read the book but i'm excited to get it um as well so ryan i guess before we kind of go into some of the, the main talking points especially related to runners because this is a running podcast can you talk to me specifically about how injury can lead to pain, but that pain does not necessarily mean injury. Yes. Uh, we culturally, it's just assumed that pain equals injury and that injury equals pain, but that is not how it works. As we know now, a lot of research has come out over the last few years that makes it very clear that those two things are not synonyms. You can, you can have a painful tendon, 
that is a perfectly healthy tendon, and you can have an extremely pathologized tendon uh, that is a pain-free tendon. So it just means we're going to have to rethink some things about how we approach uh, treatment. I love how you so graciously corrected me there, which I really appreciate as someone who's <laughs> wrong so frequently. So you basically, you know, puts a little, puts a little, uh, you know, little hole in the balloon there that will be like, Hey, injury usually equals pain or does equal pain. And as you just mentioned, sometimes it doesn't, I think you on a video with Matt, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, it was put out on YouTube, talked about how you're working with a climber who had a ruptured tendon, a recently ruptured tendon in her right bicep. And when she went there, they're like, oh, yeah, well, now, like, it matches the other ruptured tendon in your left bicep, which hadn't been bothering her. I guess this is a classic example of just because something is injured doesn't mean that it's painful, which I guess, frankly, before I read your book, would have been an antithetical statement to me. Um, When did it not? When did it when did for you change from, you know, maybe the belief that I had had? prior to reading your book to something that you has you have now evolved into and are now expounding the virtues of? I think the veil began to fall around eight years ago. Uh, it, I started finding uh, just research and becoming parts of uh, different discussion groups that were sharing a lot of research and became really clear in a short amount of time that uh, those two things are not synonyms and that it was time to rethink how we're working with people in pain and people with injuries. Yeah. And Matt, how about you? Because you're someone who has gone out of your way time and time again, and a lot of your writing projects to be at the cutting edge of science, whether you know, in, in a lot of forms and to be as science-based as possible. A lot of this is can kind of get the, um, the, the biofeedback and the psychological feedback that you have also explored in some of your other books, especially with help of Samuel Marcora. Um, when did the veil, uh, to use Ryan's parlance, start to fall for you? Well, I learned about um, you know contemporary pain science from Ryan, um, and uh, you know I uh, I visited a, a running camp that ultra runner champion ultra runner Rob Crar uh, put on in uh, the fall of uh, 2019. And, um, and, uh, Ryan is Rob's strength coach and Ryan gave a talk titled pain and performance, uh, same title that our book has. And I attended that talk and my mind was blown, you know, uh, because his talk was very science-based. Um, and because, you know, I, I'm someone who has, you know, kind of you know, paid attention to brain science and, and written about it for a long time. I was able to basically, even though the, the ideas were unfamiliar to me, um, I was able to basically understand them. And then they also, they jived with my personal experience as an athlete and a coach. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the, this, this new pain science that I had previously been unaware of made sense of my lived experience in ways that nothing else had before. And, um, you know, I'm always, um, you know, I'm always sort of on the, well, I'm a curious person. I'm always on the lookout for what's new, what's next, but I'm also very, very, very selective. Like I don't want to just jump on a bandwagon and then end up with egg on my face because <laughs> it was wrong. <laughs> um, but you know, just like, you know, people what, should what read Ryan... diet cults if they want an example <laughs> right. of that. Yes, exactly. So, so um, you know, Ryan, uh, like I, I wanted to jump on that train right away. So I, it was like, there was not only that it wasn't, I figured, well, 
if I didn't know, then then probably no one knows. <laughs> um, and also, I felt like an urgency about it because it, it was you know that information is so practically useful to athletes. You know, it's just like it's, it's something like you can yeah sure the the science is gee whiz interesting, um, but it's like it it can immediately impact how athletes and coaches approach pain and injury in ways that are going to benefit them. So like I, I was in, in a hurry uh, to get on that project. And it's interesting seeing the progression of your books. I know you didn't go about this with some sort of grand plan. Um, not that you were, not that that's like above you, but like how things have evolved from like, how bad do you want it? to the recovery book, you know, that you have that Molly Seidel's on the cover of, and now to this book, it does seem like you would kind of circled the block on this topic, right? Especially with how bad do you want it? You came very close to a lot of these topics, but more on the pushing really hard, I am now uncomfortable, but what does that actually mean kind of vibe where Ryan has kind of, you know, been adjacent to that and actually talking about pain. So Ryan, can you just identify terms for us a little bit? Like what exactly is pain in terms of how it's classically defined and how you t tend to define it now and maybe like what terms you use maybe instead of pain to identify um that feeling pain is a uh unpleasant experience and it could be sensory or it can be expectation of uh pain it can be there are so many moving parts to that experience that it is really hard to define. With the, the International Association for the Study of Pain, um, yeah. they updated their definition of pain, and I think in 2020, uh, just as Ryan and I started to work on the book. Um, and that definition is definitely different from the average man or woman on the streets understanding of pain. Um, yeah. It is very squishy. Um, and it emphasizes that it is an experience. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Let me ask you this, because, Matt, that's a great way of diving into this, because when someone says an experience, that entails or at least it infers a two way back and forth. Right. That there is an action either done to or within somebody and then their perception of that action. Right. So when you talk about an experience of it. Right. So I think, um, Ryan, when you think about like the how someone experiences pain, what exactly is involved in that and how does that help us define what pain truly is? Pain can be influenced by your history. So past experiences, it can be influenced by some medical conditions like inflammatory processes. It can be influenced by even familial uh, if you were brought up in a household where, you know, your, your dad had experienced pronounced back pain for his life, then how you relate to that, it can be, it, there are so many moving parts to pain experience and how you, how you interact with pain that it's, it's kind of remarkable. That's why trying to narrow it down to a single feature with diagnosis is just counterfactual by nature, like fundamentally counterfactual. To piggyback on that. There isn't even like, because you would think, all right, okay, fine then. But at least we can do brain imaging and tell for sure when someone's experiencing pain. And you can't even do that. <laughs> like yeah. th there's no, there's no like single brain uh, signature, you know, for a person experiencing pain. Basically, you know, all pain experiences are real. 
Um, but they're not all one thing. So it's just mm-hmm. like, how do you know someone's in pain? Because you ask them and they say yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you sure. go. I like that. I like yeah. that. All right. So, so Ryan, let's talk about running pain, right? So we, we kind of see generally about what is pain and how that it's an experience, which means that there's a back and forth nature to it. When someone thinks about, you know, sports injuries or right. running injuries or the pain that can result from them, oftentimes we kind of go more to the catastrophizing of it, right? So the broken ankle, right? I'll just use that as an example, since people on this podcast have had, had broken ankles, including me. And Ryan, Matt, have you had one? I know you faked one in high school to get out of a race. I don't know if you've actually. (laughs) Story for another day. No, I've never actually had a real broken ankle. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ryan, I've had a broken ankle. I then had reconstructive ankle surgery. And just to to, to put it out there, Matt talks in the book about like his own experiences with like surgeries he wished he did not have. I have my own because when I went to get, you know, they looked at my ankle during my sophomore year of college. Um, I played basketball in college. They did a stress test on each one and took an x-ray during the stress test and saw that each one rotated over 20 degrees and said, okay, you need ankle reconstructive surgery. Choose one because you need it on both. And it turns out, I think if the injury had happened now, they, this first of all would have never happened. They would not have recommended it. And I can also say that it really didn't solve anything. And actually the person who gave me the surgery was at this point is the most well-known orthopedic surgeon, maybe in the country. It just happened to be the person I saw that day. Um, Dr. Paul Fideli up in, up in Boston. But at the time that was like the cutting edge science. It turns out to be completely garbage. And instead took 18 months of my basketball career and threw that in the garbage. So mm-hmm. talk to me about, I guess, first of all, that was a very complete, long non sequitur to what I was about, what I'm about to say, but I just wanted to get it out there as my own history with some of this stuff um, is when someone thinks about some of these injuries, oftentimes they can go to like, okay, but, but are we talking about stress fractures here in terms of like, Hey, working through pain, or are we talking about like, Hey, I just have an Achilles thing. I have a knee bursitis thing that I could talk to you about that I think correlates well with what you talk about in the book. Like when you're thinking about, okay, pain and ways that we can work through it, and training as treatment, which I know is part of the subtitle of your book, what are you referring to and what are you not referring to? So with a traumatic injury, like, like a broken ankle, that's a little different, obviously. Uh, there's some healing time that's required for that, for, you know, bone and some of the more traumatic uh, nature of what happens to connective tissue. So that's different. With other running-related injuries... Uh, I mean, there there are so many pieces of literature that look at, you know, foot pathologies, you know, um, like I looked at a piece of literature before our talk that upwards of around 45% of runners have stress-related uh, injuries in their tib, but are asymptomatic. Um, there, And this is like, this is so often the case, and especially around knees, you can have knees that show abnormalities, um, but are totally asymptomatic. So when you have a painful knee and you go to explain why it hurts with imaging or some diagnostic test that doesn't show anything either, then you jump to the conclusion like, oh, that's what's causing this pain. But that's the classic post hoc fallacy, right? But that is how we built our entire system of care around this post hoc fallacy of this equals that. And that is not how pain works. Then how does pain work, Brian? 
pain is uh, uh, an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience associated with or resembling that associated with actual or potential tissue damage. So it it is what just... What do you mean potential tissue damage? That makes it exactly. sound like it's not even damage and I'm experiencing pain. That doesn't make any sense. That can happen. So it hasn't been shown that a complete absence of nociception can... Uh, and nociception is um, sensory input from... Um, fibers like pain pain fibers is what we used to call them hopefully i'm sure they're still using them but that's not what nociceptors are so um that they are free nerve endings um that give information into the central nervous system um and now we know that they can just suggest that something might be wrong uh so i i don't know how they will ever show that you can experience pain without nociceptive input. Uh, there are researchers out there trying hard to show that. Uh, but I mean, I think the uh, pine box is the only off switch for nociception <laughs> in my mind. So, so yes, you most likely we can experience pain without anything being wrong just thinking that something might be wrong because there are so many moving parts to it. All right, I wanna take a quick break. First of all, to talk about VDOT. VDOT O2 is fantastic. It's a wonderful service, especially for runners. So if you're a runner out there and you are trying to coordinate your running, maybe you're not coach, you're self-coach, you wanna find a place to organize all your stuff, to look, have it look as professional as possible, and to get assistance with what training paces to use, V.O2 is where it is at. I love this stuff. I coordinate my own running through there. In addition to that, you also can see different pace settings. So once you have a good, um, a good idea what your fitness is, you plug it into the V.O2 system, it can tell you what your threshold pace is, your marathon pace, your half marathon pace, your 5K interval pace, all of that stuff, and you can set up the workouts exactly how you want them. Then you can then load the workouts into your watch, whether it's Coros, Garmin, or your Apple Watch. In addition to that, it goes the other way too. Once you do your workout, it uploads right to VDOT. It's all saved there and you can look at all the data. It's such a great service. In addition to that, 14 day free trial if you use code rambling at checkout and you can save 20% at v.o2.com using code rambling today. Also, I want to give a shout out to my good buddy, Jonathan Levitt, the For the Long Run podcast. If you're listening to this, then you love running podcasts, and I'm so glad that you do. One of the best ones out there is For the Long Run. I love this podcast so much because it really focuses on what people are thinking, the choices they make, and ultimately the mindset that allows them to do amazing things or to get over hurdles in their life to achieve the most that they can get out of themselves and in this sport. I just love this podcast so much. They, they focus a lot on trail and ultra, but at the same time, the core concepts that they focus on, it doesn't matter what kind of running you do. It even doesn't matter what kind of sport you do. The, the, the inside knowledge that you get from some of these athletes is absolutely phenomenal. And as someone who loves that sort of thing, this is one of my top podcasts and has been for years. I've been a subscriber now for two years, and it's going to keep going. So go check out For the Long Run on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts today. And Matt, this is an area that I know you were very familiar with even before you started working with Ryan, because you do talk about it in a couple of your other books um, as well. Just the idea, the psychobiological psycho model of performance, which you've talked so much about, but the idea that what you're thinking about can then either manifest itself or has already manifested itself in your body. 
-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really fascinating stuff. And um, yeah, so, you know, there's this idea that we have a body and then we have a brain inside our body. And then we have a mind, which is how we experience our, our brain and body. And, and so you have, uh, everything's interconnecting, uh, right? So you can, you can, um, things can, can travel from sort of like the bottom up, you know, you can have, you can whack your knee on a, on a table. Uh, okay. That's a body thing. And then, but it eventually you're going to actually have a conscious experience of, of that event. And then things can, can move in the other direction uh, where you could be, you know, you know, 24 miles into a marathon and really struggling and you just latch on to one of those lifeline mantras that just come to you out of nowhere. And it's just somehow difference making, right? You just like, um, you know, one that I remember having, uh, occurred to me in the Boston marathon with about two miles to go, um, was like, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. It just, I played it over on a loop and it, it just like, you know, it start. you know, it affected my body. Um, but it started, you know, as just this, this conscious experience. So it's just, it's really cool just how, you know, mind, brain, and body just interconnect with, um, you know, signals traveling in in all different directions. And then as, as an athlete who's trying to a stay healthy, B like have pain limit you as, as little as possible and, and C make progress and achieve goals. Like it's not just interesting how all this stuff connects but you can manipulate it in ways that help you get where you want to go as an athlete and then beyond that you've you've spoken openly about how your some of your injuries not all of them but some of them the things that seemed to fix them was seemingly the things that caused them in the first place yeah that's exactly the you know the lived experience that that ryan's talk made sense of for me you know so i Mm -hmm. i you know, I had a lot of injuries. Uh, now, now I kind of tend to call them pain experiences. Um, you know, you know, pain took me out of, of competition, took me out of training a lot over the years. Um, and you know, like a lot of runners, I, you know, I did what other runners in pain do is I went to see doctors and physical therapists and, and for most of my biggest issues, they just weren't able to help me. Um, they, they, it's not that they were idiots and didn't know their crafts, like they, they weren't idiots and they didn't know their crafts, but they just couldn't help me. And, and ultimately, you know, you know, all these injuries that I thought might be, you know, quote unquote career ending that I was really worried were the end of my running. None of them ended up ending my running. And what got me past them was training as treatment, as, as Ryan calls it, just like figuring out how to just work through it. Like, you know like adapt, adjust, find workarounds, you know, be patient yet persistent, be creative. Um, and just sort of like do, do this little kind of dance with, with my pain experience. And then, you know, just make, you know, slow stepwise progress until eventually the pain was no longer a limiter. And I was back to full on training and competing. And this makes a lot of sense just from a historical or ancestry based you know, mode of thinking. Right. And I think you, you got, you touched on this, Ryan, in the book too, just like going back to you know, your own personal experiences, familial experiences as well about, Hey, there's a time where like, you just have to work through it. Like MRIs were not always available. People had to figure things out and by and large, they could have, or should have. And in certain cases, when Western medicine, Western medicine hasn't touched 
more, um, I think, in Aboriginal um, communities, but one that you touched on early in the book, at least, um, that people figured out ways around this. So, Ryan, as you were progressing, trying to figure out like how you were going to, you know, help other athletes become the best version of themselves and be able to continue in their athletic performance. What about training as treatment? Um, not only got you got you going, but how did you make sure, I guess, right from the beginning, uh, more on like the doctor's credo of things, like how do you make sure that you weren't doing harm, that you were doing good and you weren't like causing another injury or causing an escalation to an injury by using the training as treatment model with some of your early patients or some of the athletes you were working with? So not, I definitely don't want to demonize Western medicine because that's done enough and I, I don't feel that way at all also like if my dad had dramatic brain injury a few years ago and if it hadn't been for western medicine he definitely would have been here this christmas so but i will say the musculoskeletal side of uh, especially the outpatient musculoskeletal side of treatment that we have practiced i actually think there is it's for the most part informed consent has not been practiced because it has not, it's not shared with many uh, patients. Hey, by the way, these things will, are most likely contributing to the pain that you're experiencing also. It has just been strictly narrowed down to this tissue. This single, singular tissue is what's causing all of your pain, which, as I said before, is fundamentally wrong. It is just not how it works. Is that because everything is so interrelated that there's no way to silo it to this one little this one little area? Exactly. So you can have a profound tissue damage and be pain free, asymptomatic, and you can have a extremely painful joint, tendon, knee, anything. It can be as healthy as it can be. It's really hard to undo the logic you know the that we've been fed for years the flawed logic that we've been fed for so many years so to back out of it takes a lot of time i feel like anyway oh of course absolutely yeah. and i think for a lot of people who are just trying to like get better like mm -hmm. i feel the same way about this topic that i feel about my car where it's like, I don't know what's wrong with my car. Please tell me. And all I'm looking for is someone who actually knows what they're talking about isn't going to rip me off, right? So like, yeah. I feel the same way about my body because again, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. So I just right. have to hope and trust. So what are so so when someone comes to you and they're like, all right, they're kind of either shopping around for an answer or a solution. What are some of the things that you try to tell people about? what you're doing at Paragon Athletics and just right. the things that you've learned that you, I guess, is the elevator pitch for you and your procedures that um, you feel like, you know, can help people, you know, kind of get them in the door with some of the stuff that, that we're going to talk about later. Right. So if somebody came to see me for a painful knee, it would be, we, we would build a plan around that person and their needs, not around the pain in their knee. Does that make sense? So it's person-centered, and me and that person would collaborate on their plan. It's, Can we do yeah, that? How, let's do that right now. <laughs> Instead of like speaking metaphorically or coming up yes. with some random person that doesn't exist in the world, if you want to, you know, 
if you want to like, if you and Matt want to kind of like recreate the conversation you had when Matt got hurt, I think in 2020, or you could just talk to me. I, I've had knee pain. I can go through this, right? Like <laughs> right. We, can, we can, I guess we can go through some of these, these steps just so people can get a crystal clear idea of what you're talking about. Right. Absolutely. Um, if Matt was in a knee injury that you came, that you came up with. Yeah, the one, uh, it was serendipitous because we had just started working on the book and then I uh, suffered a, 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 or I had a pain experience in my foot. Um, and it was, it was kind of on the acute side. Of, it was like, it looked, it was like in the centered in the posterior tibialis. And, uh, and you did a, had a virtual session with me, came up with a plan and I executed the plan. Is this, uh, you're, are, you, are you recalling this? Yes. Yes. All right. So let's, 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 so what are some of the questions that you asked Matt in that, in that FaceTime to, to set the stage for which, for the recovery that he had, which as you described in the book, Matt was a very quick recovery and a very successful one. So I, you, I would think how, what my logic would work is eliminating anything that actually might be a real concern, like Liz Frank injury or something traumatic or cuboid injury, like some sort of stress fracture of the fifth Matt, something like that anything that actually might be, you know, of a medical concern. Otherwise it was a foot that hurt and we could probably just move forward. Um, and that's basically what we did. So eliminating anything that might be a true concern, uh, medically, uh, that's always priority number one. So you start, you ask questions about nutrition. You ask if you're working with a female, you ask, questions about menstruation, those kinds of things. And as soon as you kind of get those big things off the table that might actually be dangerous, then it makes it such an easier process because you, we start having a conversation about what is it that you want to do as soon as possible. With Matt, I know full well that running, he wants to do as soon as possible. So start adding in running to the, to the point that his system will tolerate it to the sensitive area will tolerate it. Not the injured area, but the area that's um, sort of primed for pain Um, and adding in novel exercises. uh, Oftentimes is a part of what we do also. And I'll ask as we go along, does this feel like a useful exercise, something that can uh, benefit you in the thing that you're trying to get back to? Can I ask you there, since I was talking there, Ryan, why is that an important part of the process? Why is asking Matt, who in this case is the patient and not the expert, if that exercise is quote unquote useful, an important question coming from you, the expert? Right. It's, it's very important for somebody that you're working with to be a part of building their program. They feel like they have... Uh, it's, it's like inactivism. They feel like they have, are playing a role in their recovery. They're having a say in their recovery. And that is a huge part, building your efficacy, your sense of agency about the process. And really, honestly, if I bump into somebody in town and I have not seen them in a while and they're like, oh, I've just been feeling so good that I haven't come to see you, then I'm like, well, that's my whole goal. So that is the intention, you know. So if they feel like they, if they can feel a niggle and they're like, oh, I think I know how to do this and navigate it themselves, that is absolutely the thing that we're looking to teach people how to do. If, if they need somebody, you know, to give a little advice, 
So I know that if something's a little more bugged, if something's um, easily perturbed for the moment, that any sort of plyometric thing might not work for a second. But it might, but it might not. It's probably down the list. So, um, so I know these little things, you know, um, that can, I can, and some of the bigger things too, that can uh, help guide. But when people have a, a um, sense that they can handle most of those things on their own, that's what I'm after. Is the self-efficacy important because someone is more likely to do the plan or is it actually help in recovery? Yes, it helps with adherence because uh, they have in part decided on these exercises and they've des- decided on how many and they've decided on when and they've decided on, you know, all of these things. And a lot of times, it, sometimes it might not even be, you know, something typical of you would that you would go home from a PT session. It would be, you know, yeah, you should go, you and your friends should go for a speed walk, uh, you know, these three days. So it, it's not just calf raises with heavy weight. Um, that could be a part of it, but it, for each person, it's a little different. So we'll use information that they share with us and and put together a recipe is a lot of times the, the um, language that I use because, you know, everybody, some people don't like raw red onion and some people do. So it's a matter of like putting together something that suits that individual and gets them back to doing what they want to do as soon as possible. Uh, another thing that I, uh, what I'll tell people is this, this is a compass. This is not a map. So we're going to find our way but with this compass, not with a map. And so that's going to, you know, lead to being off route a little bit, back on route, off route, back on route. <laughs> but we have a direction. Yeah. And you're such a humble guy that it's hard getting some of the, it's hard getting some of the answers I want out of you because you're, <laughs> per, you, you keep deferring to like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to help. But like, I'm like, I, I'm saying that as a precursor to like, someone goes on to say the Paragon Athletics YouTube Right. Over the last yes. couple of weeks, you guys have uploaded dozens of like one minute exercise videos of some really, um, really interesting exercises for a variety of different, I guess, sensory concerns. <laughs> I'm trying yep. to use the, the parlance <laughs> of the book. Um, I and, like that uh, you're trying to like reframe That's the idea. <laughs> but like, again, so it's not just like, hey, work through it. Like, oh, you hurt? No. Keep running you know, figure it out. Right. It's not, that's not it, but it's also not the other extreme either. It's this middle ground of, Hey, we're going to use some exercises here that are going to allow you to continue to still be an athlete. Again, no, I don't want to put words in your mouth or Matt's mouth, but you continue to be an athlete, continue being active, use some of the surrounding, you know, tissue to help improve over time and improve through treatment, which I think is a really useful thing. And I just want to share like my own experience with this. So this wasn't with you personally or anyone on your staff, but um, one a PT friend of mine, uh, Dwayne Scotty from down in New Haven, Connecticut, who has his own podcast and he does great work. Uh, I had I had an issue that was bothering me for like for months. So I was seeing uh, someone in Rhode Island who's very very good, well regarded, great guy. I can't speak. I'm not say any negative about him. But I'm not going to use words and I can say his name here because I don't want anyone to misinterpret what I'm about to say. But we just couldn't identify what the problem was, and I just wasn't running for like months at this point so mm-hmm. i'd go for a run and i feel this weird knee thing it was a pain in the butt and i just i was at my wits end i call my friend Dwayne, I'm like hey 
can you can I just come down? You can see me. I live like an hour and a half away. So we go through. He does like his little one hour diagnostic. I'm doing movements and stuff. He's trying to identify. And it was it was really interesting. He gives me a whole bunch of exercises, but he's like, hey, just focus on these three to five, which is yeah. for someone who reads this book later. That's like a key number that you use that you talk about as well. Use these three to five things. He's like, I think it's a nebrositis issue. I'm like, well, OK, so I got these exercises. But like, when can I run again? He's like, you can run today if you want. It's like, just do these exercises before and after the run. I'm like, wait, I've been running three months, man. What do you mean I can run today? Like, just what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, you run tomorrow if you want, I guess. Like, I, there's nothing <laughs> stopping you from running. Just do yeah. these exercises and you're, 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 you'll ease into it and you know, you'll, you'll figure it out. I'm like, okay. Moral yeah. of the story. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> that's right. exactly what happened. I did the exercises. I figured it out. I haven't had that issue again. I do them religiously, right. um, and it's it's worked out great. So I do those exercises, and it's and it's been great. And it, reading your book and then watching all the videos, it it struck me again. Not that you had ever met this person, but how aligned what he said aligned so well with the whole point of your book. So a lot of times when we think we're treating a specific thing, we're not. It's just regressing to the mean. What's happening is, is it's natural history. We relate it to that specific, uh, you know, diagnosis and that those specific exercises that we're doing. But it's just regressing to the mean and naturally feeling better. And you go, oh, yeah, that's what did it. You know, but it wasn't that dry needling. It dang sure wasn't that. <laughs> so why why <laughs> I, look, I love the, the dry needling thing um which i've never done it looks not like it does not look like the most pleasurable experience that is for yeah. sure um yeah so so what about some of these other things like cupping i know is the one is a very in vogue thing right now what about those either don't quite work or if they do work it it maybe is for a reason that isn't identified kind of either during the process or isn't identified in kind of the, the mainstream covering of that modality. Some of the people that in my little echo chamber that are saying the same things that I'm saying, they have strong opinions about these things and they would definitely share those given this opportunity, <laughs> <laughs> but I will not. Uh, I do think uh, very often those are a waste of your time, but I will say some people get a temporary amount of relief from these, you know, the more fringy things. But those things that create dependency, rob you of your self-efficacy, uh, those are kinds of things, those sort of modalities, they, they don't don't live on those things. I, what I have been saying lately is treat those like condiments, not like a meal, because you're just going to end up hungry all the time. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, it reminds me when I talked to Christy Eschwanden a couple of years ago on the podcast for a book that she put out on some of the recovery modalities um, and, you know, kind of poking a little hole in all of them. Uh, it was a really well done book. Uh, and one of the ones we talked about, I think, were the compression boots. I think at the time we said Norman Tech uh -huh. boots because they like they owned they owned the space. But I think at this point, there's enough companies in there to say compression boots. And her point was this, like. She's like, I'm not saying that they don't work. What I'm saying is if you just sit down for 45 minutes and put your legs up, you'll probably feel the same way whether you put the normal tech boots on or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much sums it up. So what, what, you, what they think it's affecting is not what's most likely to be affected. So, Matt, you talked about how like, you heard Ryan speak. 
And that, you know, was like a, you know, a light bulb moment for you. Like, wow, this not only is interesting, but it relates to my personal experience. So as you were diving into the research, working with Ryan, but at the same time, you don't just fall for things, right? You are an evidence-based person by nature. What was your process? What was your process of coming to be a believer in all of this as you progress through it from maybe, you know, skeptical, but optimistic to something where, Hey, you're putting your literally and figuratively putting your name on it um, with this book. Yeah. I mean, I, I think um, there was really only one test that, that Ryan had to pass with me and, and he, and he, he passed it in that first meeting um, where, you know, he was, he was citing research um, and there was like a consistent story. And again, it just jived with, you know, everything I, I knew. So um, from there, it was just a matter of like learning more, like filling out the picture. I, like it just conceptually, I, 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 I felt like I was bought in, like this makes sense. Uh, but there was still quite a bit more learning that had to be done. And, and what, you know, what's, what's funny about like these concepts, um, you know, this idea that, you know, there's not a one-to-one -one relationship between uh, tissue damage and, and, and pain. Like, I, like, you know, so it took Ryan and, and me like around three years to write the book. Um, and, and I, and it, in the process, you know, I, I would, we would arrange a time for an interview. I would ask Ryan a bunch of questions and then take notes and, and then write some more. And I kept, re I kept reverting to the old paradigm, like accidentally, um, you know, I, I would like, Ryan would say something and then I would sort of like, so what I hear you saying is, and he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's just, it's just funny because I, I consider myself a, a pretty clever person. And like I was, you know, steeped in a lot of the background science, but even, even then it, it, it's just such a radical shift uh, from, from the ideas that, that we're used to that it, it took me a while. And so that was kind of a fun process. Um, yeah. Uh, just like, you know, now I'm out the other side of it. And like, I've come up with my own ways. It, it's actually an advantage that I'm not a scientist because I, I need to find, you know, language for making this stuff make sense to myself. And, and then it helps me communicate it, which I find myself doing with the athletes I coach all the mm -hmm. time. And, you know, long COVID is, has taken away my ability actually to be an athlete myself. Uh, but like, you know, the athletes I coach are experiencing pain as often as any other athletes. And I find myself like very, very empowered to, uh, which is really what it's, it's Ryan's mission. You know, he doesn't want to just bring everyone to Paragon athletics and make them dependent on him. He's trying to empower athletes and coaches to be able to handle a lot of this, this stuff with both confidence and competence on their mm -hmm. own. And it's just cool that now, now I've internalized all this stuff. So fully that like i don't have to like call ryan and say hey i've got this athlete whose knee hurts i don't know what should i do yeah that's it there's a matt thank you for sharing a, that that's exactly where i was going sorry ryan what was that that's okay there's a quote that i love that sums this up pretty well by alan toffler or alvin toffler it's the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write but those who cannot learn unlearn and relearn basically what we're talking about no doubt about it. That is for sure. And I think part of that learning process inherent in this entire conversation is being proactive about what ails you and taking the steps needed. Again, 
part of that is knowing where to go, right? You can climb a ladder, but if it's, but if it's going up the wrong building, you're still out of luck, right? So <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so knowing where to go is just as important as the proactivity and sometimes even more important. So the fact that you have this book out, I think is so helpful, especially for the athletes that Matt just talked about, right? And the coaches that can, can assist them, because even if you find, again, someone like yourself, right? Someone who you know, that you trust to help you with, you know, your body and to get you right, uh, to get you right. At the same time, you know, people are busy, right? Like you might, I know, like I, I've, I've worked with athletes. I'm a coach as well. Like they have a, a PT that they trust and, and, and for good reason, but it can be hard to get into that office, right? You know, you don't want to wait the six weeks to, to get right. to that appointment, right? Even if that appointment is going to be perfection, that's still six weeks wasted, six weeks right. out that you cannot get back. So the fact that this book is out, that can help you learn some of these steps and not self-treat, but kind of lead you down the right, lead you down a path that can be so helpful and proactive in doing so really, you know, really can be so helpful. Again, not just in terms of like issuing, you know, the, the PT that you like, but even in case of, you know, hey, I got six weeks here. I don't just want to sit on the sidelines. I need to do some right. things and I want to be helpful and I want to be useful. Yeah. And I, you know, sometimes it's really hard for me if I have a friend or an athlete that is seeing somebody and I think that their treatment plan is making a patient of them, it is very difficult to be in that place. So, but I do see that very often that that people become dependent or they think that their their pathology has to be fixed before they can change the pain um and so it's it's a it's a hard place to be there are plenty of really really good pts out there uh doing a great job yeah absolutely now i guess and i'll i'll share this in the intro as well i definitely shouldn't have waited to the end of the episode to ask this question so i'll make sure i include it in the <laughs> intro uh what are some of the ailments i'll put it um that people uh, especially runners often come to you with that you have found that you and your team and by extension this book can be really helpful with uh, at this point we've worked with every kind of running injury known to man uh and honestly if you're a runner and you're in a rough patch there's a very good chance that we can help you through that place or any athlete really nice. we work with because i'm a climber i just happen to work with a lot of runners as well ryan matt thank you so much for your work for everything you're doing for the running community as well matt for your, your long time work and ryan for all the information in this book and on your youtube channel which is quite valuable that is for sure thank you so much for everything you're doing absolutely thank you, thank you so much for hosting us